Hi, it's Scott Rockfile back with another podcast review for you. Going to talk about the third in the Mad Max anthology, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I can still remember July of 1985. I was home from college and my deep disappointment sitting in a darkened theater watching this play out in front of me. I just, I walked out of the theater and went, really? This is how we're going to wrap up the trilogy? Two of the fastest paced, most amazing action movies. And we get this, Mm. you know, they could have changed the name of this to just leave off Mad Max, call it beyond Thunderdome and, not have any relation to Mad Max at all. It would have been fine, except for like the last 15 minutes. A $10 million budget went on to gross $36 million. So it made money, made it three times its budget. That's a hit. But I got to tell you, this is one that I've never returned to, that I never go back to. They changed all sorts of stuff from the first two movies. Even the music, Maurice Jarre, who's a great, great um, soundtrack guy. But Brian May did the first two. Why not keep him? They brought back Mel Gibson, but almost nobody else. Bruce Spence comes back, and he was supposed to play a character that wasn't the gyrocopter character that he played in the last movie. And then they kind of did have him play the gyrocopter guy from the last movie, kind of. Yeah, that was (laughs) Australian filmmaking, I guess. 1985, they were coming off a huge hit with Road Warrior, and this is what they decided to do. And watching it now, and this is the first time, I've never owned it on DVD. I think I had a VHS. Um, I've never bought it on DVD because I never wanted to watch it again. And I only have it now because it came in this uh, Mad Max anthology, all the movies in 4K. Now, there's no real extras on this whole box set. And I don't know how many extras were on the original box set that had more discs in it. Um, The only one that had any extras at all were Road Warrior. And that had some of the original extras that were on the original Blu-ray. But none of these have any kind of extras or commentaries or any of that kind of stuff. Well, that's fine because I really only wanted the movies. They're, they're not movies like Star Wars that I want to watch hours and hours and hours of behind-the-scenes stuff or Marvel or whatever. It's just not that kind of movie. So watching it now through my modern sensibility and all these movies I've watched lately and reviewed, it feels like two movies that they just put together, two different scripts that they mushed together into one movie. Or maybe it was the one script about the kids and the plane crash and all that, and then they mushed some Road Warrior stuff around it. Now, it does wind up in cars and a big chase at the end of the film, but you have to sit through, you know, 90 minutes or almost of a little Lord of the Flies, a little um, post-apocalyptic barter town kind of, you know, um, I don't know. I don't I don't think either story would have made an entire movie, and that's probably why they put them together. It just feels like we have this stuff that takes place in barter town with uh, Tina Turner's character and, and everything that's going on there. And then we have the stuff that's going on with the kids who are the offspring of uh, a crashed airliner who the captain kind of saved them and they're all growing up now. And, and then they kind of forced them together. Maybe it was the idea, you know, who am I to say what? You know, greater minds than mine and more money than I will ever have put this together and made it. So they, maybe they did know what they were doing. But for me, honestly... Um, when it was over, I was still like, again, this just doesn't do the story character, the, the story justice doesn't do the character justice by the end. He kind of gets a little, his character arc is somewhat the same from the other movies. He gets a heart of gold at the end and kind of sacrifices himself to save. And then that, that works out for him positively in the end, but it, 
for the end of a trilogy, it kind of leaves things open. He's still going to wind up alone at the end out in the desert. And, you know, everybody else kind of goes back and does all their other things. I don't really feel like getting into the plot of the movie. Basically, he's he's being chased at the beginning of the movie. We're obviously well after Road Warrior. Um, they take him out easily, which makes me wonder, how has he been surviving since the last movie? Because they really had no problem taking him out. And they kidnap him, and they and they and they want to, you know, they take him to Barter Town, and he works out a way to get out. And and when he finally does get out, he, he escapes and runs into these kids, and he kind of saves them. And then they go back and take over, or they're going to try and take over Barter Town, and that doesn't work out that way. And I don't know. Anyway, the whole thing just kind of plays out. And it just kind of ends. I, you know, I think they were trying to do something different. But you made Mad Max and Road Warrior. Why would you do anything different with the third movie? And why would you save all of the action, all the the car chases and the the mad, crazy stunts for the last 10 minutes of the film? I mean, there's a lot of movies back in the mid-80s that did that kind of thing. Here's a great idea, and we're going to tread water for about the first two-thirds of the movie before we really open it up. There's a lot of movies from the 80s like that. There's a lot of movies today like that. But again, you're coming off two of the biggest action movies of all time, movies that were made for very small budgets, used primarily um, practical effects, real stunts, real cars, real people flying over things. And then you go to this, where we have to deal with kids. And It's funny, I followed this up with Mad Max Fury Road about two nights later and just blew my mind on they were directed by the same person. After rewatching Mad Max and Road Warrior and going, wow, those are both just solid action films. And then watching this one again, and I put it in an afternoon where I was actually in a good mood. And I'm like, I'm not going to really bash this movie too much. But you know what? When it was over, I was like, I don't know that I will ever watch it again. <laughs> I love the Mad Max character. I like what, what Mel Gibson did with it. I like what George um, Miller, the director, did with it. And I like what Tom Hardy does with it in the next movie. And I think we're done with Mad Max because the Furiosa movie is going to tell the the backstory of the Charlize Theron character, which comes out later this year. Well, my next review will talk about Fury Road, which is arguably the best action movie ever made. It is that good. I think he was making up for this, really. I think at the time, probably somebody, because he was making other movies at the time, and probably somebody told him, you know, Mad Max is kind of played out. Let's do something different with it. And... Kids in cinema, Spielberg and all that, and, and George Lucas's movies were taking off and getting bigger and bigger at this point. We had things like Gremlins and Explorers and all that was out at the time. So I could see trying to make a you know toned-down PG-13 with young characters and big hit and I was going for a big summer. I mean, Mad Max is a summer box office. Did that not tell them something right there? Open it in, in July. It opened uh, July 10th of 1985. That's right in the middle of summer box office season. Looking at it from that point of view, this was probably an interesting experiment, but this is not a Mad Max movie. It does not feel like a Mad Max movie, only because Mel Gibson is in it and they call him Max, um, and because of the last 10 minutes of the film. Everybody's fine in the film, and, and, and watching it, it's like, wow, George Miller, he's a good director, and he knows what he's doing about creating these worlds. I mean, when they go under Bartertown and you see the pigs, and they're making pig poop into methane, and that's what's driving the town, and... It's all well thought out, and it looks real down there. And it's, you know, he creates these vast landscapes and worlds that these characters inhabit. But at the end of the movie, none of it just, I didn't care. I, I, I wanted to get to Fury Road as quickly as possible because, again, I love Mad Max and Road Warrior so much rewatching them now. I still 
this one just trips me up. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. So I know some people really like this movie. I've talked to a few people after I watched it. They were like, oh, yeah, Thunderdome, Tina Turner, yeah, and the kids. And I'm like, yeah, and you're not going, bleh, when I say those kind of things. Well, he's got Tina Turner. And she was fine in the film. They added three of her songs to the soundtrack, which was kind of a big deal at the time. Um, but, yeah, if you pick it up in the in the quadrilogy, in the anthology box set, you can watch it or not watch it. It's not one I would recommend. I would skip over it and go right to, uh, I mean, Fury Road could take place right after Road Warrior. And it's amazing. Beyond Thunderdome, though, glad I rewatched it. It definitely, you know, I, there was a lot of forgotten because I think I only saw it once in the theater, maybe twice. But watching it now, yeah, it's another one I could skip. Bring on Fury Road. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. If it's one of your favorites, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, you know, ruin your day. But I just didn't think it was very good. I, it's not like it was a bad film either. It's not like the acting is bad or the the script was bad or the directing was bad. It just, it's not what you want out of a Mad Max. And you kind of watch it and it's kind of a waste of time. There's some okay action beats in it. And there's some okay things to see. But does it add to the overall mythology of the story? No. And this is the way it was supposed to end. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad there's going to be more. I'm Scott. I'm Rockfile. Thanks for listening to this podcast review of Beyond Thunderdome. I promise you the next one will be much better, much more positive in a, in a nicer light. Thank you for listening to a podcast today. Have a spectacular day.